0: afternoon meat suits those chill royalty free vibes can only mean one thing it's time for another episode of read it and weep a podcast that used to be about books i'm your host alex falcone hanging out in my apartment of course where else would i be in north korea town los angeles um and a quick personal thing actually before we start the show is that um the show is brought to you as always by our generous it's funded by our generous meat buddies who i'm assuming some large percentage of them forgot that they're donating to the show at this point so don't check if you don't know if you are or not um <laughs> but we had like the fucking thing happened this week you guys which is that our donation page uh was being uh hacksword for some fraud shit and um not that hurt not that like is taking money from us but it's like people like bots that have stolen credit card numbers were using our donation page to test if those cards are real and Whoa. which is super annoying and we got a so i got an email from like the credit card processing company that was like hey this is on you i was like which seems like it shouldn't be if you're relying on me to do this stuff so anyway for the time being the the long and short of it is that you, we had to take away our, our our general credit card option and now you have to go with paypal again which we had undone because paypal is also the worst but at least in this case they're not letting thousands of credit card numbers per day get checked as through meat buddy donation page um like the fact that the page is called Meat Buddy seems like you should be like, these guys are not in charge of fraud prevention. We should do that. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, so if you do want to become a Meat Buddy, you can use PayPal still. Uh, read the slash meet buddies.
1: Can you mail cash? Can Can you just put cash in the mail
0: or is that okay? I mean, that's a great question. Um, it would be harder to do on a regular basis, but as a one-time thing, if you email me, I might be willing to do that. My Now that I've played <laughs> video games on Twitch one time, my wife is very worried about a SWAT team showing up at our house. <laughs> Why? She heard a podcast one time. <laughs> about swatting and so we very much prefer that i not dox myself even if it means somebody
2: might mail me five dollars so anyway i think um it's not really doxing (laughs) yourself if you like if you do it yourself
0: it's not doxing You mean yeah yeah that's probably fair but in any case do not send a swat team to our house we are very sensitive and and Alex, really that's brightened. the rule
2: number one of fucking saying stuff on the internet. Don't tell people not to do stuff. But
0: yeah, I was just going to say. Damn. Well, okay. what you just said was
1: way riskier than ever going on Twitch, <laughs> for sure.
0: Damn it. Um, well, okay, um, do not order a. Cake. Here, I'm
1: going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. SWAT. Alex,
0: right now, no, no, do it. that's
1: not swat it. Swat him. What yeah. you? No, you no, do no, 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 what it, you? It'll, it'll work. Do not, you, it'll
0: work. Coward, no, he, do not order me as dozen gonna do it donuts I... <laughs> from a very socially
2: distanced place. Well, I bet him none now. of you have the stones to get a burner phone, <laughs> no, no. find Alex's address, No, no. call it, destroy the sim chip
0: it. i will
2: stop. yeah i will
0: mute you <laughs> we
1: are we're protecting you alex that you don't understand this world like we do
0: i'm sure you're not um th- let me introduce you to the panel that's got my best interests at heart first up he's at anthony lopez pt2 on twitter in southeast <laughs> portland it's mr anthony lopez
2: hey um just quick note i'm gonna say it at the top of the show alex mm-hmm. you all notice, buddy don't Don't do anything to upset me, because I will demand satisfaction (laughs) if you do. Just so you know, I'm
0: really good at coin tosses, though.
2: And, oh, yeah, well, guess what, buddy? Let me tell you something. We're already standing six feet apart from each other. (laughs) All we got to do is put pistols in our hands. We're ready to go. Um, Do you have a
0: second? Do you know who your second would be right off the top of the bat, like right off the top of your dome?
2: i got i gotta i mean i like to think um well you gotta have a few seconds right you gotta have if it's a straight up duel mm-hmm. uh yeah i have one second if i have like if i'm trying to scare a young irish boy into fleeing the country <laughs> and i'm gonna do like you a gotta, fake duel yeah you need, someone need
0: you can trust with a fake duel
2: too that's yeah that so that's that that because that duel you need someone like I would probably ask for you, because I know you got the good sleight of hand skills. For sure, man. There's so many so, instances
0: in this movie where I could have been of assistance. It was awesome.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, definitely, like, you know, you got to have a different second for the situation. I, yeah, I, like I, I spent have the few. better
0: part of a year in high school learning how to fake a coin toss. So, if especially because the last duel in this movie it was basically like, if you win the coin toss, you get to kill the other man for free. Um it really seems like it would have come down to that skill. So just like I can, I can win a coin toss 99 times out of a hundred. So,
2: well, you got to think as well, you know, it's not just winning the coin toss. It's also then shooting someone with guns that are about as accurate as like, yeah, with crummy, yeah, like, shoot, you remember, like, like when you would do like pieces of paper through a straw in middle school, sure, like sure. those uh-huh. are more reliable than uh the little muskets they had back in this i don't time. think that
0: makes me comfortable with dueling but it does help a little bit um the other person uh here who's the podcast second um he's at hun bun on letterboxd in uh bopo yeah the neighborhood of portland it's mr hunter donaldson
1: yeah i haven't had my popeyes yet i'll get it okay it's a little early so in would the you day. say that your
0: your day is between popeyes right now
1: yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! My week is between Popeyes. <laughs>
0: um, so let's get before we get into the show. Actually, let's talk a little bit about what else we watched this week. Um, which I'm going to do a non uh, a non movie just because I'm curious. You guys, have you been watching The Last Dance? No, a lot not of people yet. Are, but it doesn't really seem like your things.
2: Well, I I'm a big documentary guy, uh, mm-hmm. and I love. Like, we've been kind of lucky the past few years of getting really good, critically acclaimed documentaries that even yeah. if we don't know much about them. Like, I'm not talking about like necessarily like Tiger King, but like last year or the year before that, uh, OJ Made in America was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. That was also uh, ESPN, I, wasn't it? Uh, that was, I believe so. May have been HBO films. I don't, I think it was I ESPN. it was on ESPN, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which would be incredible. Um,
0: I just didn't think of them as such a... Documentary film powerhouse well, I mean, They're so good.
2: They've been doing thirty for thirty for years now, and those are. And I'm not even the amazing. biggest sports
0: person, but yeah. every, every one of those that I've watched has been incredible. Yeah, it was ESPN.
2: Well, um, I, I would say crazy. you know, like the thing about sports is, as not a huge sports guy, like I love sports movies because sports is such like a uh, this there is always inherently a narrative there, right? Like even you know, in a it's yeah. not like. There's like good guys and bad guys, even though they're just people in sports. There are you know comeback stories. There's yeah uh, so betrayal and you know people doing you know honoring honorable uh, honorable stuff and all this types of things. So it's like sports kind of has it all. I love a good summation of uh, like a sports story. I'm just not going to be watching uh, like the week to week games, you know?
0: Yeah, I. I enjoy. Uh, I, I would say I'm more sportsy than you two, but um, still pretty low on the sports level. But and I really like. Honestly, even though we were like the right age to catch part of it, I missed out on on Michael Jordan almost entirely. And so, like I like the main thing I know Michael Jordan from is as an actor in in Space Jam. And uh, yeah, so he's great in, in that. the original Space that? Jam. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I'm a. Uh, I personally try to model my fashion on Michael Jordan. Uh, just because he is a fashion icon, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You you wear a lot of Jordans.
2: No, uh, I don't, have you seen the way Michael Jordan dresses in his day to day life? He dresses like your like sh- really shitty fifty year old uncle. He in wears the, the big.
0: In the documentary, he does wear like a lot of suits that are way too
2: big. But I all the yes. other basketball players are doing it too. And part of no, no, not, like- I'm talking about like look up Michael. If you just Google search Michael Jordan clothing. On the streets, he wears like the baggiest pants and just horrible. He has the worst fashion sense I mean, on the Part of this was like it was
0: well, the I'm late kidding. 80s, early 90s, and so there's some understandable parts of that. But also, no,
2: I mean just today. imagine.
0: I, oh, okay. Interesting. Like, but, now, but still, Michael just Jordan imagine has the worst trying to dress like a body that is like 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, yeah. Like, I am six foot, and it's hard to find stuff sometimes. Uh, it's crazy. To think of these pro basketball players who are just such giant people, you're yeah, right. The, bad. You're right. Okay,
2: especially on the budget he has. I mean, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the main thing that
0: I, wanted, I guess I was just to say about it, real quick, is that um, I do f- it's it's found me at the same point in my life that Jiro dreams of sushi found me, which is where. I was not being productive enough, and I was wa- using my time instead of working on stuff I should be working on to watch a story of somebody who is obsessively focused and became the greatest ever. And so now I'm doing that same thing with Michael Jordan, where I'm like, man, yeah, I also could be great if I worked hard,
2: but instead I'm watching this
0: fucking movie.
2: So, yeah, <laughs> it's been, well, I mean, been you kind can also of depressing, be great if it's you were great. like, super degrading thank you you're not like super mean to us and abusive (laughs) and like yeah won't let us leave until we have the perfect jokes which i mean honestly if you had that the podcast might be better but thank god you're not because yeah really interesting if
0: we actually like if i pushed myself and us at all um i
1: did you guys ever hear about how space jam was gonna have a sequel called skate jam with tony hawk no but that's rad as the sports guy yeah that's what it was gonna be so we fucked up I am excited to see
0: LeBron though in it I can't wait for that also I did rewatch Space Jam like a month or two ago because it popped up on Netflix and it is not great
2: Uh, last time I (laughs) (laughs) did not put a lot of work into that movie I watched it a few months ago really high like tripping balls on acid uh, and that was pretty sweet so it's pretty good Um, if you you do want to have a good time with Space Jam you got to watch it with the commentary from uh, Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny, uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds. And funny. it's 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 the, there was a lot of set tension. Yeah, well, it's the it's the actors who do Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck in character improving the That's entire fun. commentary track. It's pretty fun.
0: Um, also, I like that if you were if you watch this movie on acid, you were basically doing performance enhancing drugs for the performance of Michael Jordan.
2: Oh yeah, but you were doing the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, as we all know in Space Jam, the drugs don't matter. It's all a placebo effect. It's just water. <laughs> yeah, just water. Yeah, uh, it's just water, dude. Anthony,
0: what did you watch this week?
2: Uh, not much, honestly. I don't Ooh, really have anything. Uh, this week. Uh, this week's mostly been to just blowing through Justified with the misses. Mm-hmm. And uh, still enjoying that quite a bit. And besides that, yeah, just haven't really. What do you, had time you, to watch you guys were talking anyway. about a
0: video game before we started, so just for the people at home, what, what were you playing this week?
2: Uh, I am currently playing through Metro Exodus, which is a game that I believe came out last year or the year before. It's a first-person shooter uh, from a Russian team. Based off these Russian post apocalyptic novels. Oh man,
0: that makes so much more uh, sense. When you were saying it before I thought you said Russian teen and that was so weird. No,
2: Russian <laughs> Russian studio. Team. Yeah, okay, that uh, makes a lot of sense. And uh, they're fairly they're <laughs> pretty well written, the earth direction and uh, so the sort of pacing in it's very good. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. This is uh, not
0: related to Metroid, I take it.
2: No, I wish no. I was playing a new Metroid game. That would be real dope.
0: Man, if Metroid uh, but- turned into this like realistic snow shooter game, that would be a weird turn.
2: Hey, man, Metro uh, Four is supposed to be coming out like next year, so maybe it will be. Who knows? Hunter, what have you been watching this week?
1: Um, so I'm kind of like Anthony in that I haven't really watched that much, but I can talk about a video game if you want. Sure, yeah, um, a quick video so game. So I oh yeah I'm gonna um, so I played through and when I say play I probably shouldn't use the verb played through I should probably use like the verb like ripped through or like crushed with my hands I played Streets of Rage 4 oh how's uh, that Yeah, so that. So when I was a kid, uh, (laughs) I was a Genesis kid. I was a Sega boy. Okay, I liked my Sonic. Uh That makes a lot of sense. This checks out Sonic Go Fast. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool contrarian people were Genesis kids, and then like, you know, regular dweebs were Nintendo kids. Hey, man. I, however, did have both, so I don't even, I just call myself a Sega kid. So just a quick Google of this.
0: This looks kind of like Street Fighter. Is that what it's related to?
1: So slightly different genre oh, okay. um, Alex but i'll I'll school you real quick um, so there so Street Fighter is a fighting game yes. and streets of rage is a beat 'em up uh, so now that I've explained that we can just move forward um, like the, so,
2: the, you know the teenage mutant ninja Turtle game from when you were a kid actually yeah, ever yeah, played yeah. that yeah yeah imagine that and Street Fighter had a baby okay and that's yeah. basically where we're at that's fun. Yeah, so
1: it's very 80s. Um, it's got like a lot of really, really good tunes in it. And it just feels like a sequel to this game, like a proper sequel to a game that I, I played the butt off of Streets of Rage 2 and 3, especially 3 because it had a, a boxing kangaroo you could play as. Nice. Um, who just makes a, ca- a cameo appearance in Streets, Streets of Rage 4. Uh, you actually can't play as the kangaroo, which would be my only complaint. Uh, that's the only complaint, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, super fun. If you
0: cannot play as the kangaroo, and that's something you could in earlier games. That is insane yeah. to me.
1: It is kind of weird. You go I will say in,
0: in this product production,
1: in the well, I can think of some pretty good reasons why, actually, when it comes to like, animal just, like treatment of animals yeah, and fair. stuff. But uh, yeah, because no, it would just be a lot are of the
0: kangaroo. K- so you the animal is treating other people. It's different.
1: Yeah, it could. It. I think it's. I, I think it's kind of. I don't know. It's a soup. They maybe didn't want to swim. in. <laughs> you know what fair, I mean? Yeah.
0: That's a perfect. Yeah, metaphor. Um,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, if you like beat up games, if you played any of those style of games, when you were a kid and you are curious as to like, if streets of rage four has the goods, I am
2: telling you right
1: now it does a hundred
2: percent. I have a question my for you Hunter. Yeah. What if the yeah. um, sort of the opposite of the and you just, uh, so recommended it to seen as the side scroller beat em up. It's kind of a I don't want to say a dead genre, but it's certainly one of the ones that no, has fallen by the it's way. Dead. in popularity. Um, you know, it's definitely like, it's def dead. yeah. It's like yeah. there was Castle Crashers like eight years ago, and now this. Sure. Um, would you recommend it to someone who who's never really played one of these types of games before?
1: If if you if you are curious, so one of my favorite aspects of it is that the difficulty of the game is super modal in that you have your, your difficulty. You can pick, you can pick normal or like hard or crazy hard or shut up and go, or don't even talk to your mommy (laughs) hard. Uh, You can, those are your, like your difficulty levels you can pick. But also once you've picked a difficulty level, let's say like a level is too hard for you. You can just give yourself an extra life on the next run. It's just so much. So it's like, you know, maybe, maybe you're playing normal, and normal gets kind of hard for a second. Instead of going down to easy and like hurting yourself and making yourself feel like a dumb, dumb loser pants, you just give yourself one extra life, and maybe you can do it this time, and I love that approach. I think that's really smart. It's something that I think a lot of people would have liked games like that better back in the day if they were a little more friendly. Um, But yeah, yeah. so I would say if you have any curiosity at all, it's definitely
2: worth checking. And if you have... Oh, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I was going to say that... like. Alex, you probably can't relate to this, but Hunter as someone who, you know, sort of you and I both grew up with this genre of game and these style of games. We definitely, like, I feel lucky uh, and also kind of a little cynical about the idea that I hate when people just repackage my childhood uh, mm-hmm. and resell it, sell it back to me. But for a long time, they were doing that and the games were absolutely dog shit. Uh, And it seems over the past few years, like, all the um, sort of nostalgia-based remakes and sequels have actually gotten very good. If you're going to repackage my
0: childhood and sell it to me, put it in a nice goddamn package.
2: Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Do a good job with it. For so long, it would be like, we're doing a new Contra, and you would play it, and it would just be terrible or a new Castle do you remember mania. contra
1: here's here is shitty contra yeah. we've got new <laughs> shitty contra for
2: you do you want to give us 25 dollars for new shitty contra the past few years between like sonic mania this uh, yeah. a lot of stuff that is like oh wow this is actually as good if not better than the oh, things for my childhood so well not- and, and they did they did the obvious thing which was they
1: went back to where they were at like on the uh, development wise and we're like okay what if instead of upgrading all of our tech and kind of translating everything to a new generation of consoles which is what happened in real life we just made a no- like what would just be the next game in this series that's why sonic mania is so good and that's exactly what they do with uh, street to rage 4 cool
0: well- well, um, if you are enjoying the video game talk, you can hear more of us talking about video games on Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be streaming again along with Hunter's other project, Space Cats Peace Turtles. So yeah. it'll be on Twitch, Twitch.com. No, TV for the cool kids. Twitch.TV yeah. slash Space Cats Peace Turtles. As we all know, they couldn't get the .com, but they sure could take it away from the country of Transylvania. <laughs> so... Um, no you know,
1: .dot. One... tv is pretty useful though, because you kind of know what you're going for, right? It's going to be Transylvania
0: TV yeah. type yeah. stuff. Transylvania, it's like, it's like yes. Ed TV. You know, you know what you're getting mm-hmm. into with you're getting that. Getting into title. educational television. Mm-hmm. It's basically I, any any time you're taking uh, stealing a country's uh, top level domain. I think it's going to be a great website. So anyway, twitch.tv yes. slash Space Cats Peace Turtles, and we'll put it up on our social just so you can remember Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific. 6 p.m. Central, midnight? Yeah. Greenwich Mean Time? Maybe not. I don't understand how daylight savings time works. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, let's jump into our topic this week. Uh, this week for the show, we're continuing on with season three, uh, Back to School. We're talking going to slightly condescending film school. Specifically, this week, we are watching Barry Lyndon, the 1975 yeah. Stanley Kubrick film. Hunter, why did you pick this movie for us?
1: Actually, I think uh anthony picked you guys sort of picked this sure. together
0: i believe this was your suggestion and anthony hadn't seen it before but he liked no the, i had uh, seen it before oh, i had, suggested okay. this
2: movie yeah oh you did great okay yeah. i'm yes. wrong
0: anthony why did you pick this for us
2: um i picked this movie because we were discussing um watching a kubrick movie and a lot mm-hmm. of his movies are sort of talked to death at this point you know what else are we really going to say about the shining or you know Clockwork Orange, anything like that. I felt like Barry Lyndon has certainly become a classic over the last like twenty years, uh, and it's one that I think a lot of people have slept on. I you know my wife had never seen it. I know you had never seen it. I'd never so. heard of it.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> I had never seen pictures of anything like it. It this is uh, it was a big surprise.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely when you think of like sort of Kubrick's uh, imprint on cinema. There's so many. Like even if you don't know, if you've never seen. 2001 or a Clockwork Orange or a Shining, there are images that are just part of the zeitgeist, right? Barry Lyndon doesn't really have that. Like, it definitely has stuff that after you've seen it, you're like, oh, okay, I kind of get where that's coming from. But I think that this is uh, definitely, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about the sort of coffee or soda metaphor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sort of things. I think this is honestly probably more of a coffee for you. I find this movie to be incredibly entertaining, so, I found it uh, the the time length, the really fly by. Uh, but I think from a film school perspective, this movie is one of his, like, you just can watch it and learn so much from it. It is, well, I think, a technical Marvel.
0: Yeah. I think
2: it is, you know, absolutely b- beautiful to look at. Probably considered one of the most beautiful films ever made. His use of music yeah. in this movie is incredible. Um, And I just think that it's a a movie that is definitely one of his lesser talked about, unless you kind of get into, like, The Killers or Sportacus or something like that. This is certainly sort of in the, you know, the post-Sportacus Kubrick run, which is, like, where he really sort of became the auteur, every film's a masterpiece director that he later became known as. Um, This is definitely kind of maybe his less... Uh, like I said, kind of analyzed and spoke about. So I thought it would be good for that. I have not seen this movie in years. I believe the last time I saw it was on DVD, on like a pretty shitty TV. (laughs) So I definitely did not get the full experience. So I had been wanting to go back to it to be able to see it in high definition on a nice TV with a good sound system. And I definitely thought it was very much worth doing that. Yeah, I really he, type of movie I would love to see uh, in a theater. Yeah, uh, I bet it would really the, kick ass. So there. that's a
0: good. There's a good list of stuff in there that I want to dive into deeper. First, let me give you a quick summary for those of you at home who've not seen Barry Lyndon. If you're one of the many people sleeping on it, as I was until I was recently awakened. Um, here's my three sentence summary of Barry Lyndon from 1975. Uh, Mister Barry is a poor Irish guy who falls in love with his sexually aggressive cousin but then she marries somebody else for money and that sends him on a life spiral <laughs> that includes fighting in multiple armies assisting a card sheet marrying a rich lady and treating her badly killing his son with a horse and losing a very high stakes coin toss
2: he doesn't kill his son with the horse the he horse does. Kills yeah, the how,
0: son I, knew,
1: I knew there was going to be something in there known
0: that it's not safe to buy your son a horse when he's like three
1: well, right, but he... Okay, so, no, 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 no. If we want to play moralist with this, okay. I think it's more the fault of the person that told his son where the horse oh, was. Oh, there's so many yeah. people
0: who are at fault, but the he bought he brought a horse into his son's life. He was going to give it to him a week later, he would have died on it then. So the well, early warning system only got him to <laughs> killed by the horse sooner.
1: Oh! <laughs> There, I want. I I knew there was gonna be the thing. Oh no! There's so like, many other things I want to talk about. Be Barry. This is just, I had to. to okay. be at least one joke. So we in the opened summary. with because I, I knew there couldn't be a character like Barry in the movie, and you not attach them to their specific crimes. You know what I mean? Oh, so but, it's okay. Barry Lindian the- Barry Lyndon horse murderer. <laughs> child
0: which son uh, murderer he definitely did not the horse is fine Um, so he murder by horse okay Barry Lyndon
1: murder by horse right Uh
0: Um, but no I think he's actually like a really interesting character because then later he could murder his other son chooses not to so it's kind of a fun (laughs) does he want to murder sons or not you know he murdered the son he likes let the son he hates live it's very strange right Um, Um,
2: uh yeah I personally I I did it was fun because I mean I don't know I don't any of us have much experience with Ryan O'Neill as an actor. Certainly no,
0: but some- it was delightful because I thought sure it was Ryan Reynolds for a long time and then he was actually still
2: named <laughs> Ryan, so that was fun. Yeah. He does um, look kind of like Ryan Reynolds. Sure, A bit, yeah, I've a bit seen puffier that. in the face, but yeah, I can yeah. see that. Um, But it was sort of strange because he is, you know, this movie is uh very cold and distant, like most Kubrick films, uh, and he's He plays it very kind of stoic and, you know, uh, emotionally empty for most of the movie. And that feels very much like a directorial choice. And it was very funny to have uh, sort of be sitting next to my wife, who the whole movie was like, I can't figure out if I fucking hate Ryan O'Neill or if he's doing a good job or what. It was just a. it's very interesting I, I
0: can't tell either because I he is cold and distant, and also his like resting face looks a little scared and sad. Mm-hmm. And so there's these scenes where he's like he looks scared and sad, and then he says something that is not scared or sad at all. He's like, "I am willing to die for no reason right now," and it's it, it, your face doesn't know that. Um, yeah, it's
2: just because I've never seen like Love Story or anything else that he's been in. I have nothing to compare him to. In terms of what is like normal performances yeah. would be like, you know?
0: Um, so um let's jump into some questions here for our main segment. No stupid questions. So Anthony, you laid a lot of things that I want to go into deeper. But the first thing was something that you mentioned last week you haven't mentioned yet today, which is uh tell me about them lenses. You yeah, promised uh, there would be some good uh, lens talk today.
2: Yes, Let me hear So about it. uh you know, one of this movies sort of this, it's a little bit exaggerated, but, you know, one of the movies sort of claim to fame is that it, ha- it uses almost no uh, electronic lights. That's not exactly true. That's what a lot of people say. Okay. Um, so, you know, with most films, you have lighting rigs and stuff like that. with this movie, uh, he used because Stanley Kubrick developed a very close relationship with NASA because he faked the moon landing for them. <laughs> Um, okay. no, uh, that's a joke. Uh, a lot of people do a lot of people do believe that. I don't know if you know that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah, not yeah. smart
0: but, people, but you know, yeah, some people do. You know, there's people a whole who are smart terri- in other things and not in that one thing, I guess.
2: There's a whole terrible documentary about yeah. Cooper theories. Um, but uh, so they used the lenses that NASA developed to film the moon landing because of such low light there. Uh, oh, so he took these no shit. These camera photograph lenses, still photograph lenses, had them specially modified to fit cameras, which I love. As one of my favorite things about film in general is that there's like you get these fa- super fancy NASA lenses, and it's like uh, these don't fit normal ass cameras. No, of and, like, not. and you can like look it up. They just called a guy who's like, yeah, I can get those motherfuckers on a camera. <laughs> well, uh, what they did
0: was, what they did was stop. they took a guy who would have been working on the film, but he had the flu, so he stayed home, and they poured the lens and a box of other garbage on a table, and they were like, you figure out using only these things yeah, exactly. how to get this lens wow. on that camera.
2: was a nail file and a camera and a very priceless lens. Go <laughs> at it. Uh-oh. So what they did, so this movie does, there is like, um, you know, almost all the exterior shots were shot without lighting, um, which is really kind of goes to the land, beautiful, you know, Victorian era painting aesthetic so, this movie has. So
0: don't, don't roll past this because I want to, I, I want to understand this better. So like, is that something that if I didn't know it, I could tell right away? Because I sort of, I guess with outdoor shots, I sort of assume you have to use the sky. Mm-hmm. Most well, of I mean, I mean,
2: honestly, if you like, do you, have you ever seen like, um, like I forget what they're called, but like the fake suns that they use in movies like, Oh, you, I they, have. Yes. They have like,
0: seen TV shows at, setting up in my neighborhood before.
2: Yeah. They can shoot at night with these giant balls of light that yeah. will make it look right. like day. Right. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And Kubrick is someone who is a incredible perfectionist. You know, he, will spend forever lining up his shot. But in this movie, he kind of couldn't do that and would have to kind of wait for the Irish weather, which changes all the time. Yeah. uh so you know the exterior shots are definitely you know a lot of movies have done that kind of stuff before it's mostly the interior candlelit shots that you know in most movies you would have lighting rigs and stuff like that to get uh, very specific sort of lights but in this movie because of the lenses they would have and if you look very close you can kind of tell all the candles in the movie are like four wick candles uh, just because yeah, they needed them to shit get. There's a ton it up. of
0: candles everywhere.
2: Yeah, but there's also, they're not normal candles, right? They all have four wicks in them. Yeah. So that they can generate enough light to light up the scenes. But all the oh, scenes in the movie will lit that way. There is some light from outside, like electronic lights they set up with like gels and everything. To match what the outside light was, but that's just because you're filming all day. You, you can't really depend. There's on so many that.
0: giant ass candles in this movie that yes. I was positive he was going to murder his son by leaving the candles burning overnight <laughs> and <ended laughs> burning the house down with his son okay. in it. No, I <laughs> thought um, for sure he was going to Manchester by the Sea his kid, but he did not. Right, he's not. No, um, he kills him with a horse.
1: I, w- I want to ask Alex a question real quick. Um, Alex, yes, uh, sure. h- how did you feel about? Like, this lighting is very... um, Like, how did you feel this lighting stacks up against other maybe kind of similar movies? Well, you know, I don't
0: think about lighting very often. It's one of those uh, parts of a film that I think is, like, pretty invisible to me most of the time. Yeah. Um, I did... Well, and what happened was, you mentioned this last week, Anthony, that there was something about lenses and natural light. And so, like, for 10 minutes, I was like, this movie looks weird this is not what's what is happening here and then i remember you're
1: not used to it you're used to the fake light yes that's the problem you're not used to someone actually trying to make a movie that looks like uh like a period piece that just the way the lighting looks is it reminds me of those colorized world war one photos oh, yeah. or whatever you know what i'm talking about it reminds me of that like a lot um and which is i think the second i connected it to that I was like, "Oh shit! This is crazy impressive." Like-
2: yeah, it's you know, it's also one of those things where like every this is you know the the expression "every frame of painting" gets thrown around a lot, yeah, but yeah, this movie yeah. right. that is one obviously there are frames that like you can actually compare the uh, Victorian painting Kubrick based it off. Like, that happens throughout the movie. Oh, interesting. Because oh. I did notice
0: that that was something that just, like, seemed a little odd for a second where I was like, man, there's a lot of people in the background just staring off into the distance. There's a lot of these setups yeah. where it's like, <laughs> yeah. what are these people at the table just ignoring this fight happening around them? And then I remembered you said the thing about paintings, and I was like, oh, this must be a painting. So I, I guess I was, I was cheating a little bit by having that. But once I remembered I had been told that, I thought it looked super cool. But yeah, before that I thought, does this look kind of like a phone video instead of a like a um a DSLR video or something? Like it looks a little bit it, because it looks too natural. It looks not as what I'm used to movies looking like. It looks more like what the world looks like.
2: Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways it was a direct response to like Kubrick thought it was like, you know, most period films look like movies shot today but just people in costumes right because they can't and before this it was literally impossible to capture a scene that would be lit only by candles yeah 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 technology did not exist
0: but his moon camera Uh, well another thing actually that's such a cool thing to say like there was so basically what you're saying was he was trying to make the imagery not not the imagery the image itself the photography look period in addition to the costumes and the setting being period costumes and setting, it's trying to like look like a different time of film which is really fun because there's that line near the end at the end where um after all the stuff is he decides to go back to ireland and the narrator says like we didn't have the means to follow him back to ireland and figure out what he got up to <laughs> yeah as as if as if the this is all like a documentary at the time and they were like look, right, we'd love yeah. to get on this boat with our huge camera equipment from 60s space program, but we can't because it's too expensive. Uh, there's no way we can't. Yeah.
1: Well, that- I, I want to throw out a name real quick just for our employee of the week segment, Please. just because we have been talking about this a lot and we have yet to bring up his name, John Alcott, uh, who okay. did lighting for 2001 and essentially came up with the idea of like, Hey, you could do natural lighting this way, which is almost like where the whole project kind of sprang forth from. And oh, John Alcott went from being a lighting person to, to being uh, uh, Kubrick's cinematographer for quite a few movies. I think A uh, Clockwork Orange. I think it's a lot of the movies of uh, yeah, this era. Sure, yeah. And then I think John Alcott died shortly after, won, whatever, uh,
2: whenever he stopped. Very, very well-earned. I mean, all four of this movie's Academy Awards are incredibly well owned! This um, movie had four Academy Awards. Yes, yeah, set design, mm-hmm. costume design, score, and cinematography. The score oh, in this movie. Is this not more?
0: How is this not a movie I hear about more often?
2: I, I mean, it's. I think it's a part of it. Like, if any, uh, if any other filmmaker made this movie, it would be one of his most talked about. But with Kubrick, when you have like he made thirteen movies. And, you know, five of them are some of the most talked about and analyzed movies of all time that it's like, it kind of falls by the wayside a little bit, just in, you know, just the bandwidth that people have. Yeah. Just for, you know, every single one of his movies being such a striking. Well, also, I think it's
1: genre too, a little bit. I think, you know, period dramas are just don't, they don't get stuck in the, in the, uh. I don't know. I, I would like name another movie like Barry Lyndon
2: that is like super well known. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard, we, I feel like. I mean, um, thing I think is like Terrence Malick's The New World, right? I and mean, even that has kind of fallen by the wayside in terms of it. Yeah. More that's popular like a concept. much lesser known yeah. Terrence Malick movie.
0: I was going to say, like, w- like, is Downton Abbey kind of in the same it's a different time period, but it's like a period drama. It's a TV show, obviously, but it's sure weird.
1: I'd say genre, genre. It's yeah. close time, time period itself. It is right. And right, right. Genre and
2: also, is similar. The fact that this movie came from like, you know, one of the Kubrick's the type of director with a lot of legends around him, but like, you know, people constantly refer to like one of the great unmade films is Kubrick's Napoleon movie, which was like a huge oh. passion project He spent years developing and then they like another Napoleon movie came out and didn't do very well, so they wouldn't let him make it. So oh, he was yeah. like, "Well, oh, I just yeah. spent all this time researching this period, so let me make a cheaper one." And that's how Barry Lyndon came to be. But I imagine Wait, if so this, this was so like- and, the,
1: and the technology, the technology side of it too. That's what is so great about every Kubrick movie is there is always like a very real story that he has a passion to tell. And then some sort of technological breakthrough that is also that just goes so neatly with the story.
0: Mm-hmm. It, so I get, yeah, that's so interesting because we are talking about um, uh, technology a lot two weeks ago, three weeks ago now um, when we were talking about um, Terminator and and um, Avatar and such. And there's a way that it mm-hmm. felt, feels to me like like sometimes technology feels annoying, and in this case, it's like he was doing something, he was using this technology to do something really cool and interesting that he couldn't do before. Uh,
2: Well, I mean, Kubrick wasn't like he, you know, he's kind of in that realm of like, every generation there's like one director who has no business being like a household name whose movies make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like Kubrick is definitely one of those guys who like does not make, he's not like someone like a James Cameron who makes purposeful movies populist films that are supposed to be huge he makes very and you know unique single visions that for some reason really catch on um so I, it's easier I think to uh, sort of like uh, embrace the technological aspects and find them cooler rather than if he was like doing innovation and trying to like make everyone happy from five-year-olds to grandmas you know like someone like Cameron yeah. does. <laughs> um i had wanted to ask ask you a question alex about um did you so one of my favorite things about barry lyndon is i I obviously think it's a beautiful movie and i think it's it's so singular in its vision but to me it's also i think it probably i don't want to say it's his funniest movie because i think like Doctor Strange Love is like laugh out loud hilarious. Yeah, well, this one's right not-
1: and is actually a comedy. Yeah,
2: like this is yeah. not like a laugh out loud hilarious movie, but I think this movie is like a fuck that's funny. Like yeah. just oh, the yeah, constantly yeah. the juxtaposition. One, I like. I'm a big. I really love all most movies. I love like especially a lot of period stuff. I really hate sort of like Elizabeth. I know this isn't like Elizabethan, but it is like Victorian. Uh, movies i really hate those type of movies because i think mm-hmm. they like glamorize a very shitty time in human history and they're mostly like romanticized and things that i just think are very lame uh but i think this movie is amazing specifically because it has this incredible cynical sort of sense of humor about like how stupid all of this was
0: yeah and the sort mm-hmm. of
2: glamorizing it i just love like the constant um juxtaposition like when he's in the army and like he's exchanging words with that guy and he's like they were about to fight and he's like the guy's like gentlemen gentlemen this is not how we fight if we're gonna fight we're gonna fight like men of class everyone yeah. get in a square and scream like animals <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, yeah or like uh when the sun that is like square gives the-
0: thing cracked me up so much where they're like they made a boxing ring out of their bodies yeah, well and actually right. actually before that he insults this other soldier and the soldier this big brutish soldier is immediately going to settle this argument and his nearest weapon he grabs is a whole bench bench yeah <laughs> he picks uh, up the entire fucking bench as his fighting tool and that i laughed many many times at this
2: movie yeah i think uh, especially just the mocking and sort of the the taking down of the idea of you know high class and low class uh i think this movie does that so well uh and it does it mostly by like juxtaposing like a uh, one scene followed by another, which is, I think, a really great thing to show throughout the movie. Like um, the scene when Barry Lyndon is like trying to be- get a title, and he's trying to impress people, and he's like looking at this art, and he's just an idiot who doesn't know what he's talking about. So he's like, right, looking, right. he's looking at this painting that you can't see, yeah, and he's just like, oh, I love the way the Otis uses blue. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, Anyway, you want to buy it? (laughs) And then immediately the next scene is like the king comes in and it's like the same exact shots, But it's with how the king sees him is how he was seeing the painting, you Uh know? And it's just like.
0: That's interesting. The the king, too, when he's just like, oh, you raised an army. Yeah, you should go with them. Yeah, uh, that was very good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was such a good little underhanded comment. Yeah, uh,
2: I just love stuff. I love when like the 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 kind of bratty son gives the big speech in front of everyone, uh, and it's like all this pompous like class, and then Barry just gets up and kicks the shit out of him in front of everyone. It's just like And ruins stuff. his own life, but yeah, yeah. But it's just like the again, it's that, that like um this tearing down the facade of like somehow. These people are higher status and thus better than everyone else, right? right? Um,
0: uh, and so, just, yeah, that's yeah. great. I, uh, Hunter, why don't you jump in here and tell me a little bit more about Kubrick and, um, like, where just
1: Kubrick in general? Yeah, tell me
0: about why. Yeah, what do I what do I need to know about him and 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 why why do I need to care about him?
1: Uh, well, I'll say. I, so I at one point just decided to watch. It was like a summer. I just was like, I want to watch. Kubrick's whole filmography There's like a in lot of order them. or whatever. Yeah, yeah and, and so it's so it's very graspable. Um but each one of them are just like basically stone cold classics and what I love about his body of work is the variety in it. Mm-hmm. Um however each one feels like a movie he made. Interesting. So he's very specific with the way he presents a story um and like the tone and everything all has this like consistent notes that it hits. Um, but he, he just does a lot. He, he, he planned his career very wisely and he had enough interest in different films to like, really, I mean, guess, I guess he does make like two war movies. They're both really great. Uh, Paths of Glory and then Full Metal Jacket.
0: Yeah. But besides actually, that, he doesn't really Jacket repeat a long time genre. I've not seen Paths of Glory. That was also like a long, long yeah, time. That was, that was like 30 years earlier. What, yeah, what's, what's that is, about?
1: Yeah. Uh so pa- Paths of Glory is like a Kirk Douglas World War 1 movie. Oh, interesting. Um it has a crazy trench sequence. Um oh. it is a def- I think I've actually seen it twice, which is kind of odd because it's like kind of a lesser known Kubrick movie and I wouldn't say it it's not like it's definitely worth watching. I guess I'm not trying to down-talk it, but it is not as
2: revolutionary as a lot yeah. of his
1: other things. Well, I mean, but if you want to see everything, it's definitely
2: worth yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, in Kubrick, especially if you're watching everything, it's like there's there's two very distinct phases of Kubrick's career. There's everything from, like, the Killers to Spartacus, in which he's, you know, finding his way and, you know, trying to, like, become the Otis that he is. And that, what happens on Spodacus, he had a very bad time. He got pushed around... And he basically, the film that came out is not the film he wanted to made. Kurt Douglas was right. the third on that, and really con- exerted a lot of control over the film. And a lot of great directors kind of have this one movie that like gets away from them, and then they, you know, decide that's never fucking happening again. And right. after that, like everything before it, you can feel like, well, this has a lot of people's influences in it, but everything post Potikus. Is like a Stanley Kubrick film. He never allowed that to happen again, right? So that was like mm-hmm. every after that you get like Doctor Strange Love, two thousand one, Clockwork Orange, uh, this, um, Full Metal Jacket. You know, and like everything after that is so singular in its vision. And you know, he the the stories that come out of like his, you know, specificity. You know, if you've ever seen want to have a really good insight into the man. This is a great documentary called Kubrick's Boxes, which is after he passed away, uh, they were donating. Uh, he had like hundreds of these boxes he had made to a specific size because he was a very, very specific man. Uh, and he had them filled with all this different stuff for, of basically the, his entire career. And they were getting donated to a college. But before that, they let a filmmaker go through them. And it's just years of him like cataloging every single element for every single one of his films, and very meticulous planning. You know, if you ever seen Interesting. something like uh, they go into a lot because you know Eyes Wide Shut was his final movie, and that was like years of filming on that. But you know, like that movie was like all of the New York stuff in that film was shot on a soundstage he built. And if you watch that movie, you would never think that's New York on a sound stage, right? Just Mm -hmm. the meticulous detail that went into everything.
1: Um, It reminds me a lot of, uh, it's kind of a weird connection tonally, but he reminds me a lot of a Wes Anderson style or like super formalist mm -hmm. filmmaker, or I guess I should say the other way around. Uh, So like every, the photography is very like, um, symmetrical. Yeah, and like pretty, and it uses a lot of like formal ways to, to, um, and what I guess, yeah, how do I describe formalism in this case? Um, I guess it would just be like using formal photography techniques to just make the film look amazing, but in a way that is like so precise that it, it really betrays the fact that Kubrick is a perfectionist yeah. and a lot of filmmakers get that, that reputation of being a perfectionist. Cause I think it's the type of job where you're going to get really specific about details, but the way somebody like Kubrick or like Wes Anderson does it, you can see their the perfection of the shots very obviously. Um, and Barry Lyndon actually reminded me a lot of Wes Anderson movies, especially the, I can, the comedy in it seems see very, yeah. very much I,
2: like that. The narrator reminded me a lot of, um, like Wes, the way Wes Anderson films use narration.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, so my last thing I want to ask you about this um, before we have to start to wrap up is it sort of ties back to something you mentioned earlier about the about Ryan O'Neill's performance being kind of emotionally distant, and also that seems to be a thing. I don't know, like there's a lot of sociopaths and emotionally distant people in uh Kubrick films. Um, yeah. So I guess all like, like that and its relation to this question which is like how am I supposed to feel about this character? So like oh, which great. this could be a broader question about anti-heroes in general um uh, as a thing. Well the
1: I, the movie yeah. has a really good thesis statement uh, about oh it's about halfway through part 2 that I thought was like, oh, wow, that's one of those lines where they're just describing exactly what the movie's about. And the context of it is something... They're talking about how Barry is in so much debt, and they're talking about how he learned all these skills that made it possible for him to accumulate a lot of wealth, but those same skills are why he can't keep the money. And what I mean to say is that that line uh, is, I think, if you read that deeper, I would say that is exactly what the entire movie is about. All of the stuff that this guy learns from the cruel world that he is born into teaches him some very bad and nasty lessons that make him successful, but they can't lead to him being a happy or whole person, Interesting. basically. And to me, it's like a really good class movie in yeah, that way.
2: So to me, I was reading uh, Roger Ebert's review of this movie that he did years after it came out, and this is one paragraph that I really enjoy Um Whereas, like, the film has the arrogance of genius, never mind its budget or its perfectionism and its 300-day shooting schedules. How many directors would have had Kubrick's confidence in taking this ultimately inconsequential story of a man's rise and fall and realizing it in a style that dictates our attitude towards it. We don't simply see Kubrick's movie. We see it in the frame of mind he insists on. Unless we're so close to the notion of directorial styles that the whole thing just seems like a beautiful extravagance, which it is. There's no other way to see Barry than the way Kubrick sees it. Interesting. Um, and I really like that. Like I feel like the... You know, the cold detachedness is like, you know, this movie is a type of movie that is, it uses very little close up. Most of the stuff is shot in either like very wide shots or starting on something very close and zooming out till we're so mm-hmm. far away. Um, it's hmm. also a type of movie that the narrator spoils stuff well ahead of it happening. Yeah. So that you're not surprised when it does, right? It is yeah, like,
0: <laughs> you know, the narrator is like ostensibly in this and of this time. And so it's before spoiler culture really got out of
2: control. <laughs> yeah. He's also is like, it doesn't matter, right? This, this man is completely inconsequential to like life or anything. This is just a guy climbing the status and falling back down it. Um,
0: I really like that part about about class. I think that's a really interesting part of this movie, especially there's this one thing, there's this thing about, which they don't dwell on too much, but it's how like he's accumulated all this debt and then he beats up his stepson at a, his wife's piano recital in front of everybody and then all of a sudden, all of those debts are due the next day. And so yeah. there's this element of class that's like, look, it doesn't even matter if you accumulate money or not, because the money is fake it's basically just do people like you or not because if they all decide you're not cool anymore then all your money is gone the next day but if they like you you're right. on credit forever and you can you can you're still fine and,
2: you know, he's also a a like incredibly selfish arrogant shitty unfaithful man but the second he does one honest to god like decent thing in his whole life it cost him his leg and his life you know what i yes. mean like it yeah he, right. he does
0: not kill his stepson when it would be super convenient for his stepson to be dead
2: um and so like i feel like that is like this i really like the reading of this movie as like a you know a sort of like a, an like a analyzing the difference between concept like a choice and fate or coincidence and fate Like, if you look at all the things that set him on his way and the way it's, like, one random thing after another. And is it, like, the idea of him getting there to the top, to that point in his life, does Barry think that he earned that? Or is it just a series of random events that got him here? You know, is it, like, was it his destiny, the Mary Lady Lyndon? who, by the way, is that performer, is so goddamn good in this yeah, movie. She
0: just, yeah, um, and also her hair is so big.
2: Yeah. Um, but it's like, what does Barry think he got there? Was it because he just had a bunch of weird coincidences and happened to like get you know, caught by this one random Austrian uh, general after he deserted the British army who just happened to send him in to like another Irishman? just happened to go to this house on this night. You know, it's like all these things that, you know, complete coincidences, but he sees them as like this things that he he's entitled to and entitled to abuse, you know?
0: It, it definitely seems like the narrator's spoiling of stuff is supposed to, t- it sort of feels like that's telling us about fate in a way that's like, there's a person who already knows what's all this is going to happen. And this little mm-hmm. man is so cute thinking he's controlling all of it, but I know that it's going to unravel him in a second. So that, that right. feels like the narrator is almost like playing the role of fate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's um, omniscient.
0: You give me, you give me yeah. points for that. Know, is that like an insight oh, yeah, moment? Is there points. like a
2: sound that, effect that you goes you off heard, where you you Alex had, noticed you're something? Some, you're doing some analysis like analysis there alex I'm i happy. felt like Wait. i was
0: doing analysis yeah. all right um i liked it we got to wrap on on berlin but i uh
1: can i can i just say one yeah, thing please. about uh the, so the the thing that makes me like this might be my favorite kubrick movie it's probably in the top 3 minimum it's very hard to pick a favorite of his movies yeah. cuz they're also good but i will say that the thing i can say confidently is that i think Barry himself is my favorite kubrick character for sure interesting
0: yeah Do you, Um, so do you, do you like him? What do you like? Like, what do you mean by that?
1: um, I think, I I think it's the most Kubrick ever shows you so many that every little step of a, of a character's journey. And the arc is so fully realized where we see him go from like, I mean, I I would say at the very beginning of the movie when he's like very obviously in love with someone and then they uh, don't, or they do return that love, but then sort of not actually, uh, the way it goes from like, I relate to him, and then he starts doing shitty things, and I'm like, ah, well, I see why you're doing this, and then it just keeps getting deeper and deeper, but I see every step, I guess is what I mean, of of the character, and it's a tragic character, because he is making and doing awful things, but I never feel like, and even though the movie is very cold, and Ryan Ryan's performance is even... It's like, it's like Ryan is communicating Barry's lack of getting it and understanding that he is a, uh, basically a victim of all these forces that he doesn't understand or can control. Yeah. Um, but then he always makes the wrong choice. Um, basically at at every opportunity, he basically does the wrong thing. I mean, and by that, I mean, and definitely by the second part of, uh, of the movie, um, Yeah, but I still relate to him, no matter how shitty he I Well, and that
0: was kind of the interesting, at the end of it, uh, talking to my wife about it, because I feel very bad about how things end up for him, because I feel like there's, like, after, so yeah, he does all this, uh, he's cheating on his wife a lot, and at the time he seems Mm -hmm. real shitty, but then he apologizes, and it seems like he means it, and does repent, and does change his ways, and then he seems to be an amazing father, and then this horrible tragedy um, happens where he kills his son with a horse, and um, is definitely like he has to blame himself for the rest of his life because he really is at fault, and that's terrible, you know. Um, he is he is such
1: a fuck up, but when I watch the movie, I am so ride or die with him. It's crazy. I,
0: there were parts where I got off board, like the the, but but his apology won me over, and then him. Like I, the, the part that's really off board was where he was like, he got married to this lady who's really fun and cool, and then was like, you must stay inside forever and not talk to anybody. I'm gonna go have sex what with these ladies in on the outside. Yeah, the smoke in the face is like, yeah, what right there? away. You did all of this work to get yourself to this station and marry this in, in, this incredible woman. Why not be like nice to her? That wouldn't be hard.
1: Well, see, see, we, we skip forward. And t- so that's the one place where we don't, there are steps we don't see that does happen. But then somehow, it's like what you just said, like, somehow. We skip forward in time. We're in part 2 of the movie. He immediately blows smoke in her face. So we're just like, "Oh, things yeah, are This guy. Th- he is he's got a different <laughs> attitude now. And then he says, "Sorry. And yeah, like everything. you just admitted that you let him back into your heart then. And I did too, and I always do. Every time I watch this, movie, well, I really and
2: do. And I don't He's also, yeah. you know, one of the things I really like about the way this movie tells its story is that Barry is always longing for something, right? So like the first half of the movie is Barry like trying to find love and mostly finding surrogate fathers. Right. Cause like the movie <laughs> the movie opens with his dad dying and like this yeah. incredibly long shot just to show like just how dispassionate and cold it is. Right. And then it's just like the whole first half of the movie is him. Like he has sort of odd love romances. He's a real rom- romantic, but he's really just like, he goes from one dad to another, to another, to another, <laughs> right, right. Like that's literally the whole first. Daddy, part of movie, right? daddy. Right. And it's, like, mm-hmm. the way each one of them kind of, like, rubs off and the things such he learned point. from each other. And then, like, those when he... F- and, like, he finally instead of, like, okay, I can't can't find a dad. I'm going to be the dad. Like, that's what the second yeah. act of the movie is. Oh,
0: and then such, he... Oh, like man, good analysis.
1: And that's when he becomes the most monstrous. It's, yeah. like, once he gets his dad job he wanted, then all of a sudden he's the king or whatever. And he treats people like shit, basically. Yeah, but
0: he... But then it changes him, and he yes. does come around. And this moment where he doesn't kill the his uh, stepson, which would just be so useful to his life. It would like if he kills this kid, who is not just like not just asking for it, but is begging for him to be to be shot in this duel. And this is a, 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 his whole life has been shaped by duels. From his dad dying yeah. in a duel, he does tons of fighting, boxing duel. He wins all these sword duels to get his card sheet boss all this money. Uh, like he's been like duels are so important to him and he finally has this moment where he's like if i win this duel uh i get everything i've ever wanted i get a tight i get all this right. land and title and everything's great and then he was like ah but i can't shoot this kid and then the kid's like well too late and then i shoot you and then the whole thing goes to shit i like, love that character moment is so important and cool to me that i that's why i feel like i'm on I'm I like I I'm with him and then the and I get that the movie is trying to tell me that the bad stuff is largely about
2: fate and all these different factors that shaped his life. Kubrick's choice to cast that guy as the kid too. like <laughs> because there, there's so many directors that would be like when the son the you know prodigal son comes back and has this this plan to get his uh his his sort of estate back they would cast you know like a cool collected uh like sort of badass but instead oh, like when he he's, he's he's when he's
0: buster bluth
2: yeah when he's <laughs> yeah. walking into like uh <laughs> one of my favorite shots in this whole movie is that that like gentleman's club that is just like the pony ended hours ago and everyone's just sleeping uh-huh. in it um but the way he walks in, and it would be so easy with most filmmakers to have like a confident, so like a confident badass dried in. But he walks in, and he's just so scared about having yeah. to confront Barry. Yeah, uh, that's
0: really interesting. I too. Just, I love
2: love that. Love that. Um, and then right. when he accidentally fires the pistol, it's just yeah. so, so good. good. All right, I gotta. And I anyway, I guess the
0: the oh, I, let's talk really quick about duels. I do want to talk about duels at the end because. The movie is so much about duels and it's just so fucking crazy that for a huge portion of human history, the way you solved an argument was who could shoot the other person fastest And, and, and then to make it like the difference between like the soldiers who just do like we'll box in the square and then you get the high class people who are like, no, 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 we have all these rules about where the pistol is held and who, and the steps. Right. It's all very fancy. And then two people just shoot each other from close range. It's such a bad way to settle disputes.
2: And I I think that's uh, one of the brilliant things about like what I was saying earlier, the sort of juxtaposition of like, showing how stupid this is yes, and like this is, of this,
0: class this is this this is what sure. we're
2: talking this is these are the people we talk about as like the height of elegance i think the movie does the same thing with the uh, dancing very early on when the general who stills his cousin is doing just the stupidest high um dance you've ever yeah. seen yeah uh it's like oh that's a man of that's a gentleman right there uh yeah. And like the way the dueling Well, in the end is, And then, oh, oh, oh,
0: oh, oh, a minor analysis. So then he's like, the, he sees that the high class, the most high class thing you can be is the soldier. And then he gets in a war and it's like, oh, it turns out we're just being tricked into being murdered for yep, someone else's yeah. purpose.
2: You're just walking in a it's, straight line as there's people just a, shoot at us.
0: Yeah, there's just a series of like, the king is not wearing clothes moments yeah. with the status and culture at the time. Oh, that's so interesting. Huh.
2: But yeah, and then, like, each of the duels has, like, different roles to it, yes, essentially. Yes. Like, there's different uh, different types of duel you can have. Um, so the,
0: the main one that we see a couple times, which, like, the way he, like, when he leaves Ireland, the Irish duel um, is you take ten paces, you point your pistols at each other, and then on the count of three, you both shoot. And
1: Which, that makes sense. That's yeah. fair. There's
0: something to that, I guess. And then the English duel at the end Is the craziest duel I've ever heard, which is where the aggrieved party calls a coin toss in the air, and then whoever wins the coin toss shoots first, and if the other person is shot, they don't have any record. Like Even when he gets shot in the leg, he doesn't then return fire. It's like, oh, you got me. You won the duel, and then they cut off his leg, but it's not like... It's just the most consequential coin toss in a person's life. And they do oh, it inside. Oh, oh, like why
1: inside? Analysis. <laughs>
0: um, um, and then we'll come back to that. Uh, the analysis is that you were saying, you're talking about um, like how much of his life, uh, we're talking about fate and how much of this is out of his hands. The fact that the ultimate duel doesn't come down to skill and dueling, which he's been yeah. developing his whole life, is comes down right. to a coin toss. That's coin about to fate again.
2: But- yeah, and like, yep. uh, you can take it a step further and be like, it's, it becomes down to coincidence and fate, but also, like, it gets pit back into his court when his son misfires on the first round, right?
0: True. Like, yeah. the fact
2: that it's taken out of his hands and he's pit into a basically a, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to get a shot scenario. The guy blows it and then it's back into his court, right? He has, he is truly. In control of his own destiny at this one point in the movie, where he's not at any other point. You could argue, that's you such know? a
0: good point. Oh man, um, I feel like I feel like I'm doing a little baby analysis here today. This is so I really fun.
1: like how you yell how you say analysis when you're <laughs> met, like that's so funny to me. <laughs> analysis,
0: <laughs> it's like well I could feel oh, it guys, happening my brain, It's a my brain, it's a different muscle. Um, also, I love the yeah the last duel. It's it's inside kind of so it's like a barn church full of pigeons there's hay all over the floor but it looks it's got like a cross uh, in the wall and then there's pigeons everywhere it's crazy yeah why do that this movie rules anyway okay this
1: is what this is so uh for the record this is besides mulholland drive this is my favorite movie we've talked about interesting
0: i'm not prepared to do that right now without thinking about it more but i loved it i had a great time it is too long Yeah, yeah um but we, <laughs> no it it's isn't over, it's, it's over perfect. three hours this is, It's yeah. but you egregious. go
1: through so much yeah. we just talked so much about his barry's journey yeah and we and, and i wouldn't say
2: basically there's a single moment
0: because we, we watched it on monday yeah, and tuesday yeah, yeah. it was two movie nights and we had a great time so yeah that's fair to say it is basically two
2: movies yeah, yeah i mean i definitely felt like this movie i know i said this with the seven samurai too but i felt like it flew by the three hours uh just because yeah so much is happening i do love the there's like a handful of shots throughout this movie in which uh like the movie is so controlled and stoic and you know just a lot of like like held shots or zoom outs and then there's like the fist fight in the square when the wife drinks poison and like when he's escaping the burning battle scene in which he gets like just this crazy handheld like the film just explodes with action in terms of like oh, the way the camera yeah, and framing yeah. moves uh, that it just like it like jerks you back awake if you're like starting to like kind of doze off like this spread mm-hmm. just decently enough of the movie that like when he does those handheld shots, they like really pop. It's so cool. Yeah.
0: All right, we're going to the- When the when
1: the camera gets pretty, it's really pretty and when it gets dirty, it gets dirty. Oh, yeah, but
0: that's going to we're going to make that our last word. I'm glad we added that. All right, so we have one longish mailbag that we're going to do and then we're going to wrap things uh, uh, up. So we'll be right back with that. All right, so this is – it's even generous to call this mailbag because this is some of the laziest uh, mail uh, that we've gotten. Oh, yeah. (laughs) um, Which is just a tweet with a – that's uh, assigned me some reading on Wikipedia. Uh, Didn't even give me the TLDR, but at disorderly on Twitter um, uh, assigned me the reading of the Wikipedia page about uh, motion picture censorship in America. We talked about this a couple weeks ago and none of us knew a ton about it. We did some like live Googling, which is such great radio. Um, But I did, I took, I took a hint and I did, I did some reading. So I'm going to fill you in with some, some information. um, Oh, I love it. In a new segment of the show that I'm going to call wiki hole. Um, So here's my wiki hole on the motion picture production code. Um, So one of the, the key things about censorship of American movies, that's really interesting is that to me is that, it's not government-enforced. It's all self-enforced. Yes. But it's the kind of self-enforced thing where it's like the government's about to do it. So companies are like, no, 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 no. We'll do it ourselves so that you don't get to decide how it's done. And I don't know how I always feel about that. But basically, a bunch of states were going to start censoring movies um, because of a 1915 Supreme Court ruling uh, called Mutual Film Corporation versus Industrial Commission of Ohio, that ruled that uh, free speech does not count in movies because they are a business and not an art form. And that is such a crazy Supreme Court decision, uh, right? That's They're like, it's purely yeah. for profit, so it's not art. It's it's It can be used for evil, so you can censor it as much as you <laughs> That's want. That's what
2: like, Thomas Edison sold film as, like the – Like he did not want people making business, not art. Yeah, he did not want people making art with it. That's why uh, a big part of why Hollywood is the movie capital is because people moved to L. A. because it was harder for him to sue them when they lived across (laughs) the country. Uh,
0: Interesting.
2: Like that's why all the people who wanted to make real movies moved to Los Angeles. So it would be New York. Yeah, so it would be harder for Edison to find out what they were doing and sue them. I appreciate the
0: Supreme Court ruling then for allowing my move to be so much cheaper mm-hmm. than if I had to go to New York. Um I will point out um for people who are uh, if you're if you're interested in that uh that's no longer the case obviously. In 1952 the Supreme Court had another case called Joseph Burson versus uh, Inc versus Wilson that ruled that movies can be art and not just a business so they are speech and that happened uh so it took there was like 35 years where movies were not art and then again they were (laughs) given first amendment art privileges um so the but so they're trying to avoid all these states laws about censorship so the movie industry decided like we're going to do our own self-censoring so they hired a former postmaster general uh for warren harding who you uh william h hayes you may know as the hayes code um I don't know if that's a job that qualifies you to be in charge of what's allowed to be an art is that you were like head of the post office, but that's fun. So here's some d- don'ts. Hey,
1: stamp, stamps are art. So there you go. That's true.
0: That is true. Um, and also business because they're worth money. It's like literally you're buying yeah. paintings. So it's the same thing. So the uh, the original uh, Hayes uh, code had like uh, some don'ts and some be carefuls. So let me, I just want to give you some highlights of the don'ts. So one, you can't uh, no uh, profanity, especially anything uh, that has to do with using the Lord's name in vain. Um, Obviously, no sexual perversion or even inference of sexual perversion. No white slavery. Um, No sexual relationships between races. No children's sex organs and no ridicule of the clergy. It's a crazy balls list. And that's not all of them. There's the order of it. I
1: think what that that really got me. It's the order of it. Well, yeah. So those are not all of the
0: the eleven don'ts. Those are like five. But just I read them and they are in order. But um, I was being selective. But the because you also can't show childbirth. It's just a fascinating collection of like. Well, yeah, sure. No children's sex organs—that makes perfect sense. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. And then, um, no ridicule of the clergy. It's like, well, okay. I kind of see. This feels sort of like the clergy wrote this one in particular. Um, and then, like races don't touch. you're Like, okay, well, fuck off.
2: Uh, like there's also, like there's, it's fun, you know stuff like that that like leads. It's fun, like the way it influences. Earth. Like I was, I read a thing once. Uh, there was a very popular genre back in that this time where they wanted to do rom-coms, but you couldn't have couples like getting together, so they had to start as married couples and then separate and then get back together because you couldn't have oh, non-married couples kissing. Uh, so there's a whole... Oh. Think, I'm trying to find the name of it. I'm trying to remember, but there's like... Uh,
0: boy gets his wife, boy loses his wife, boy gets wife back.
2: Yeah, um, there was a Jimmy Stewart movie uh, with Another famous actor and I can't remember it right now, but it's like the the epitome of that genre um,
0: that's so interesting. so in general, there's a couple of things that I learned that are like, oh, that actually did cause some interesting decisions and it's not worth it. <laughs> so it's interesting and there are some good <laughs> things but it's not worth it um, in the Hayes code, there are also a bunch of things to be careful about and here's just a very small selection out of a long list but um uh, safe cracking and dynamiting of trains. Um, so you can, uh, do that, but you can't do it with too much description so that an idiot would learn how to do those things. Um, you can't show methods of smuggling for the same reason. And you also can't show sympathy towards criminals. Mm-hmm. So there's like, it's not just like about things that are like horrible to see, but also like, I just don't want anyone to get the wrong ideas or learn something they shouldn't. Um, which I think is still like the, the detailed methods of crimes is something that you probably would be restricted on now by your lawyers because they're worried about you sure. being sued, not because like there's stories yeah. of like, like with like fight club or something that you put like really good instructions for making napalm. And they were like, you shouldn't do that. Um, um, but
2: there's also, so like, this is also like, you know, why Batman doesn't kill people was because they had a similar thing like this in comic books. Oh, interesting. Comic- yes, in books. Like Batman used to kill people. And then they had a. They did the same thing. The box well, code came around, and they made great
0: them. news because Ben Affleck brought it back.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're also not allowed to have scenes. Uh, you, you were supposed to be careful about scenes um, that have to do with law enforcement, and you certainly can't do any kissing uh, that seems excessive or where one one character is particularly heavy. And I assume that doesn't mean weight. I assume it means like horny. Uh, but they couldn't even say it in their own terms. Anyway, so that was the Hayes Code, and then uh, uh, that that was for a couple of years. And then in 1929, the code, the real the code, came out, which is written by a Jesuit priest, and basically was like, "Look, this is going to be censorship in movies, but also we're going to do some strong Catholic values in here." Um, and so, like things like like Betty Boop changed from being a flapper to wearing an old fashioned housewife skirt after the code. Um, another famous code influence was Casablanca uh, because you can't show uh, people uh, consummating an adulterous affair so that's why at the end of the movie Rick like has to be noble and leaves because he can't stay and have sex with his girlfriend Um,
1: that makes sense
0: uh, which is an interesting ending again but not worth it Um, also interesting there was a uh, time where the Warner Brothers wanted to make a film about Nazi concentration camps but the One of the things you couldn't do in the code was um, belittle in other countries' uh, government or beliefs. And so they were like, you can't make fun of Nazis. It's showing them in an unfavorable light in other countries' institutions and prominent people. And so there were like no anti-Nazi films for many years.
2: That's why um – The guy who made The Great, Charlie Chapman, had to self-finance The Great Dictator because no one would allow him to make
0: it. Oh, interesting. uh, Interesting.
2: The movie I was thinking of was Philadelphia Story, and the genre was A Comedy of Remarriage. Oh, Uh, interesting. Yeah, apparently there was a lot of those in the 30s and 40s. It's So
0: interesting. And then so the end of this wiki hole is that uh, that code was from like the – uh, late 20s until the 50s, where it's basically run by one guy who was like very passionate about all this thing and was very strong. And then the system started to weaken for a bunch of reasons that had to do with like, well, the Supreme Court saying that movies are art, and then also like competition with television. And um, also, sort of interestingly, um, the studios used to own all of the movie theaters, and then there was, that was stopped by antitrust. And so it changed their dominance of uh, and their control, um, and that's interesting because I just saw an article yesterday about Amazon potentially buying a bunch of movie theaters. So, uh, turns out trust is cool again. Um, all the antitrust is over, anyway. And then in the '60s they switched over to the MPA rating system that we know now, and that's my Wiki Hole, you guys.
2: Which is also the Wiki Hole, a great organization. If you ever a no,
0: they still are if the you worst.
2: Know anything about the MPAA? They are very very weird uh
0: yeah and the, i mean i i just know that uh their rating system seems bad yeah. in a lot of ways and uh i haven't seen it does seem like-
2: in a long time but there's a very good documentary at least i remember it being good called this film is not yet rated which goes oh, i do remember movie, hearing about um, that but i never watched it how you know like no one knows who rates movies like it's a secret society, essentially. It's not a public knowledge who's on the board. Uh, oh, interesting. They gotta decide what all the movie ratings are for the entire country. They decide for all of us. So Weird.
0: Uh, it, that is super weird. Uh, anyway, that's my wiki hole. If you have uh, more reading assignments for me, I will usually not do them, but in this case, <laughs> I thought, you know what? I have a little bit of time today and I ought to at least know what's actually going can, on. Can we... you
1: just one more time for me say that's my wiki hole that's my wiki hole <laughs> thank you and it's
0: a it's a deep one so get in there everybody get in the get in my wiki hole
1: everybody climb into alex's wiki hole <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right everybody that is it for our show <laughs> we will be back again next week uh next week your homework assignment oh, big, big week. we're talking about uh, this is hunter's choice this next week because we're gonna be watching the 2001 film in the mood for love and we'll yes. talk a lot more about why, but give us the brief uh, teaser.
1: Well, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the movie releasing in, uh, at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, it is one of my favorite movies. I think it is one of the best movies ever made. I think all movies suck compared to <laughs> In the Mood for Love. And they all just wish they could touch the star that the filmmaker Wong Kar-wai touched in order to make uh, that movie, so and your love of this is movie. this
0: loving coffee or loving soda?
1: I'm sorry, Alex. This is going to be some coffee, my man. <laughs> <For> but... <laughs> oh man,
0: okay. Because I hadn't heard of it, and that made me worried that it was maybe coffee.
1: Yeah, it's coffee, oh, um, but okay. but it's sexy, good coffee. Oh, okay. I can do sexy coffee.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah yeah great all right well all that and more coming up next week be sure to tune in if you like either video games or hanging out with us or both uh on friday fridays at 4 p.m on twitch.tv slash peace turtles what are we playing this week hunter
1: we're going to be playing a little game called XCOM Enemy Within.
0: And I do want to remind a- you that you don't have to care about the game because Anthony and I aren't playing. We're just watching Hunter play a game. And oh, we yeah. are making fun of him, and we're hanging out and talking to each other. So if you like that, then you'll enjoy it. So come hang out. Space Peace Turtles on Twitch. And continue to send us feedback. I uh, especially love email podcasts at read-weep.com. And thank you to all our meat buddies for sponsoring. Thanks for being here. Anthony Lopez. Great talking to you, buddy.
2: Uh, this is awesome. I'm really glad we did this. And I cannot wait to finally get around the scene in the mood for love. So I'm really I, really excited. I could, about-
0: but I won't wait. Um, and thanks for being here at Hun Bun on Letterboxd.
1: Yeah, thank you, Alex. I actually need to update my... I need to put in my new Barry Lyndon watch. You
0: do. Uh, I did notice yeah. that you had already rated it five stars when you watched it about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So this is a recent rewatch.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's probably a rating from when I first joined Letterboxd when I was just... Oh, them.
0: that makes yeah. sense. I did, So I, I did, I don't know if you saw this, but I did, uh, when I joined Letterboxd, it has the ability to import... Mm-hmm. From a spreadsheet. And I've been keeping, it just happened to have been keeping track of my movies in a spreadsheet that was like in a pretty that is good format. That's so you. So, That's so you. Well, I just wanted to have, I mean, where else do you, where do you, what do you do? Where do you put them? So I had been putting them in a spreadsheet and just writing down the names of the movies and uh, when I watched them. And it turns out you can just import that straight into Letterboxd. So Letterbox has my complete history back to 2015. That's dope. And yeah, it's super good. It, I could have had ratings in there too, but I had not been rating stuff in the document. But yeah, super fun. Um, cool. All right. Well, I'll see you guys there on the internet, and I'll see you on Friday on Twitch. Take care, everybody. yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.